Hey y'all, and welcome to this month's bonus episode of Who Made You Sis, brought to you by the Diaz Collections, and this is your host, Doriana Diaz. Who Made You Sis is an archival documentation of spiritual dialogue with fellow Black women creatives, storytellers, healers, and wellness practitioners. This podcast harnesses our existence in our truest forms. It is in commemoration of folklore, narrative, and language. When we surrender to our blueprint, our reimagined selves, we are closer to discovering our individual and collective God selves in the clouds, on grass, on water, on everything. These conversations live in assurance to pass themselves forward into our collective memory. In this episode, we'll be in spiritual dialogue with Enyafe Isis Adedayo, and this episode is entitled Songs for Sula. In a line, Enyafe Isis Adedayo is a woman breaking into herself. Her leap into adulthood began at the age of 16 when she journeyed 3,000 miles from home to take advantage of a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to study in New York City with the world-renowned dance theater of Harlem. A natural-born writer with a deeply rooted passion for narration and what she calls journey-telling, Enyafe is, as one colleague described, an alchemist of emotion. Currently residing in Los Angeles, California, Enyafe is a chief experience officer of EXI. Concepts and founder of All Her Words, a platform dedicated to reimagining the landscape of storytelling and honoring and amplifying the voices of a fuller spectrum of women. This episode is incredibly special to me because I get to be in conversation with one of my most cherished writers, all about her process. Let's get into it. I am so very excited to be speaking with you. I am so excited to someone who like we connect on a on a different level. Mm-hmm. Like you speak my language. Mm-hmm. And um that is healing. Yeah. I don't think that until I really rooted myself in this gift and in this writing and getting closer to myself and my language that I really truly understood how valuable and necessary it is to commune and hold space and community with others who speak my language without translation. Yeah. So I want to just start by giving gratitude to you and thanking you and just, you know, just saying that. Thank you. Thank you. It means so much to me to have you here in this space um, and on this day and to allow spirit to kind of fall as she may within um, this conversation and to be in union because I think it's so, it's so important to, to acknowledge um, the collective yeah. memory and to acknowledge um this the sacredness mm-hmm. of a space and to acknowledge what it is to be in ceremony and to be in communion mm-hmm. with one another. And so to be here, yeah, and talking about writing yeah. as as what it is and and language and um and folklore mm-hmm. and narrative and all of that. 
um, is, is such a, such yes. an honor. <laughs> it's such an honor. So I want to start off, um, with you introducing yourself and talking about your place of origin or telling us your place of origin and a little bit about your yes. work. So my name, and I will give you my full first name as it was mm-hmm. given to me by my father, Udu Adekunle Adewali. I am Eniafe Biafe Isis Adedayo. My father is Nigerian. He was born in Lagos. Uh, he was Yoruba, more specifically. My mother, Judy Carol Leonard, was born in Los Angeles, and we do have Native American roots, as far as we know, Blackfoot, Native American, um, from my uh, grandfather, my mother's mother. And mm-hmm. so I am very spiritually rooted, spiritually guided, spiritually carried. I think that's a huge part of who I am. And it's taken me some time to grasp that as a deep knowing and understanding. I think it was something that I always took for granted growing up, growing up around and with my mother um, and and our household and just how we moved, how we spoke, uh, that it was just, you know, rooted in spirit. I don't think I've really understood that until just within the the past five, you know, five years and just really grounded myself in that. Um, I come from a family of creatives, writers, musicians. My mother's father was an interior designer, a writer, a practice, practiced um, the art of what he called Shizindu. It was a combination of martial arts as well as meditation techniques. Um, my father was a musician. He, he has passed. He came to the States through his um, work with Fela. He played bass guitar mm. with Fela. My mm. mother is a writer. And she is actually how I came to love words. And my sister, let me not forget my sister, because although my sister by day is a teacher, an educator, I think she forgets often that she is also, you know, a creative. Her writing in and of itself, my, my, just my, my sister's penmanship is, is amazingly beautiful. And, um, she used to practice, uh, painting and, and drawing, you know, back in high school, that was something that she always gravitated to. And growing up, I would always come across her binders and whatnot of her work and was always something I was just fascinated by and in awe of her, you know, her ability to to also create in that way. So that's um that's a bit about about my lineage. And then um as far as kind of what I do. By trade, I am an event producer and project manager, but by heart, I am a writer and founder of a platform called All Her Words. Hmm. And that's what I think kind of brought us into, yeah. I think that's, that platform is what brought us into common space and community. That's how I yeah. found you. Yes. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It's been, I'm just thinking back on the time that I first came across all her words and I was completely enamored and 
overwhelmed mm-hmm. with just comfort mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. ease. And um, yeah, ease is the, the main word that I think of. It. What I felt when I, yeah, when I first came across it and I was like, oh my goodness, the, these are people sharing their stories. Like what it is to really, to, to first of all, to, to know yourself enough to, to claim mm-hmm. your story, right? Mm-hmm. And then to move into a space to really document wow. it and to, to hold space with yourself in that way in such raw and pure and vulnerability and intimacy is like n- nothing else in the world. Like it, it's not something that I have ever taken lightly to be able to be courageous enough with self, to be brave enough with self, to really commit to that as a practice or even just right. for a moment to write a sentence down that's mm-hmm. true and authentic to yourself takes courage yeah. in my mind. And so to have a space um, to be able to fall into myself or to read other people's experiences and stories and narratives, but to fall back into myself with such ease is what I felt. Um, and that's why I really wanted to be a part mm. of the space. It is so empowering and encouraging and uplifting and inspirational. So I'm appreciative for you to birthing it and creating it as oh. a vessel. Um, you're so welcome. So I want to hop into these that, questions. They are good. <laughs> right I wanted to make sure that I curated them specifically for for you and me and us and so thank you my first one is when did you fall in love with writing and how did it take form for you so it's interesting as I was reading back your questions before the call I read mm-hmm. this the first time and then I read it again and said said to myself what I read was not what is written because what I read was, when did you fall in love with words? But what mm. the question is, is when did you fall in love with writing? And writing. so yeah. I fell in love with words the first time I discovered a collection written by my mother. I was going, mm. looking for something in her closet or, you know, just just being young and getting into things. Yeah. And I pulled out this binder like a Kinko's bound binder and thick, like three inches thick. And it was all these pieces of of poetry and little stories that my mother had written. Mm -hmm. And it gave me insight. It was almost like a door that I opened into her that, you know, I never would have seen or would have known because it was my mother and her life before me. It was my mother, not as my mother, but my mother as a woman with her own experiences, her mm-hmm. own, her own, her own heartache and heartbreak. Um, just her own stories that were just personal and tender. And it I was just like, wow. Um, mm-hmm. and my mother always having been an avid reader, I mean, even now we tell her mom, no more books. It'd be- she has a library <laughs> of everything, books yeah. on all types of subjects, all genres, that just by way of of being connected to her and living in her house, I became a reader as well. But when yeah. did I fall in love with writing? That probably, I've loved writing, but like in love, 
probably within the past yeah. couple of years when I accepted mm. this, my ability to write and use language in this yeah. way to, to, to honor, yeah. to honor people, to touch people, to tell the truth about myself, to heal myself, to understand myself, to understand others. That's when I fell in love with it. In love with it. Yeah. yeah. So very yeah. recently, it's just been very recently. It's like writing has been standing right yeah. in front of me all along. And I just haven't, yeah. I haven't seen her as, as my lover. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think it's like, it's so interesting because I definitely identify, I think, well, for me, I think I've realized that I fall in love with, mm-hmm. with words like all yeah. over and over and over yeah. and over and over again. You know, it's not just a one event and then I'm hooked. It's something that is always reoccurring and it's constant and it comes from out of nowhere when I'm least expecting it. And like the first time I think I ever fell in love with words, like my grandmother, it was my grandmother's Mm -hmm. voice that did it for me. She used to sing all the time. She used to sing to me before I went to bed, but she also, she used to sing to Mm -hmm. herself in the shower. She used to sing while she, whenever she was cooking and what I realized is that she sang whenever she was doing or around something that she loved wholeheartedly. Singles. Um, yeah, yeah. And like, and it was her voice because I think that words are like yeah. music, right? Like they have different sounds and sentence mm-hmm. structures and rhythms and yeah. melodies and flow. And I think listening to her sing, it was something that was mm-hmm. so tender, with so much mm-hmm. grace, with so much... Um, strength and depth yeah exactly and and that is how I feel when I write connected like she connected um and like she her voice um is it's like it in my head when I'm writing sometimes Mm -hmm. it's just there it's I wanted to emulate that but in Mm -hmm. my own way and so writing has always been like that I and every time I Frida Kahlo, I've always wanted to write Ooh. how she paints. You know? Wow. <laughs> Every single time I look at one of her pieces of art, and I've surrounded myself with her art throughout my You're life. Like, I want to write um, like that. And I'm just, I want to write wow. like that. And so I think that it is, it's, yeah. only, it's a love affair. You know, it, it, you fall in love with it over and over and over and over again. And I think, too, a lot has, I've noticed is, depending on what I'm reading, like certain books make re help me re fall in love with words or help me fall back in love with writing as a practice, because I've noticed that I write, um, more from the depths, um, more mm-hmm. from, you know, my deepest mm-hmm. cavities when I am. That's reading. so beautiful. And like this, this is, this is what I love about you. Like you just said, I write from my deepest cavities. What? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow i mean you 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 know how i feel about your writing and how and how you, and how you use Thank words you. and the words that you use and i think that is the thing it's just not about the words it's the words that are used and the feeling that is invoked by those particular words yeah yes and i think that is just such that's such a craft to me you know, it's beyond even a practice, you know, it's, it's a craft. And I think that some of us just have it, have it in us, just injected in our DNA. And some of us learn it 
through experience or through, you know, um, bearing witness yes, to others study. writing, yeah. you know, and studying, because I think that I've realized that a lot and through even studying other writers is that they started with just mm-hmm. devouring in inhaling yes. other books. Um, and I think that that is such a beautiful way to really ensure and instill yeah. your own voice, instill mm-hmm. your own style, you know, because there's so many people that I draw from, so many different writers that I'm inspired by. But the beauty about reading is that the more you read, the more you understand what mm-hmm. already exists, the more you understand what has already been poured out, you know, what has already been dug up from wherever inside you as an author, as a writer, as a storyteller. With that, you also and, begin to see what else you want to offer and yeah. what else you want to give. Because right. I think that's the tricky thing exactly. about feeding your art or feeding your gift, or at least for me, I've had to be very cognizant of yeah. what I feed myself and then the space that I allow between that and when I begin to pour out, because sometimes I feel like I'll write something and I'll have to say, did I write that? Is that my voice? Yeah. Or is that the voice of what yeah. I've just consumed? So, and that, that's, yeah. that, yep. that has been very tricky for me. I think I'm beginning to move with more fluidity in, in that because you know, right now I'm I'm working on my first collection of works mm. and I say that I have, you know, guides. I have other women writers who kind of act as, as my guides who have really carried me through this process. And so a lot of times I'll go and I'll pick up their, their book when I'm, when I'm having a difficult time, but I have to be careful about doing that. Yeah. You know, sometimes I'll say, okay, no, you got to struggle through this piece on your own. Know that they're there, mm-hmm. you know, if you reach for it, but struggle yeah. through this piece on your own so that you know that these words are, these words are yours. You know that these words are pure and, and, and there's no, you know, crossing. Um, yeah. That's, that's been a really pivotal or, or kind of like pole moment or moment, continuous moment for me in in my process. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's a really crucial element, honestly, too, to, as a writer of kind of, yeah, that there has mm-hmm. to be a distinction. Um, and I think, you know, knowing where inspiration stops and then sort yes. of intimidating yeah. um, begins. And that's, that's hard. That's a hard boundary to kind of draw or a hard boundary yeah. to even find, but yeah, I think it's crucial. What I'm wondering, though, is is um, who are some of those writers that you call upon, or so, who are some of the writers that have so really I shifted? You, I walked around my you? house and I grabbed all the books that are sitting because I have, mm-hmm. you know, I have some books on my uh, my bookshelf, some books on my coffee table, some books for my nightstand, and these are books that I constantly, I've I've repeatedly like gone back to. You know, I'll pick up and, and just open yeah. the page and. And, you know, and just read just to, just to keep my, you know, self connected or to moving. So I have, let me see, one, two, three, I have like seven, eight books. So one is yours actually. 
Mommy Calls Me Gabriella. Um, Mm -hmm. Then another is a book called Truths and Freedom by Brandy Freely. Bone by Nurse Daily Ward. Yes. A book by the name of Delilah's Daughter by Kim Delavalos. Rumi, The Book of Love. Mm-hmm. Women Who Run With the Wolves by Clarissa. Yes, yes, that's an incredible one. And then um, Toni Morrison, The Source of Self-Regard. But honestly, for Toni, it's many of her books. But a thing that yeah. I go back to is her, um, the word is, is leaving me, her documentary, The I Am. Because her voice, not just her words, but her voice is so moving and powerful. And so many days I'll, like, you know, I'll throw on music, I'll just throw on that documentary. So I hear her speaking. And also Sonia Sanchez is in that, some other writers. Mm -hmm. So I'll just, I'll just, you know, I'll I'll just listen to it. And then also um, All About Love by Bell Hooks. And yeah, then the the thesaurus, the mm. thesaurus. That's that's one of my favorite books. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's so many ways to say one thing, depending on the word that you yeah. use and the feeling that you are trying to uh, connect with or bring, you know, bring up the feeling that you're calling for. Yeah. And so the thesaurus allows me to learn new ways to say what I'm feeling. So yeah. That's, that's yep. a book stack. I love that. Those are some amazing yes. books. Yes. Oh, and I have uh, some really good ones. Salt. And you know what? Actually, I'm trying to chase down a hard copy because it's not it's not in print anymore. You can get the PDF copies, but it's not in print anymore. So I'm trying to chase down chase down a hard copy. It is a hard copy. Yeah. Gospel. Yeah, no. Yep, gospel. That is the perfect way to yeah. Absolutely. Like hymns. Mm. (laughs) Mm -mm -mm. Those are some amazing You all know. Uh, you definitely know. <laughs> you, I, I wouldn't even bet you on, on the fact that you could. I'm telling you, I'm trying to. I'm so excited because I have a mm. very small apartment. And, yeah, I try to live amongst as many books as I books. possibly can. And, yeah, and so I'm really looking forward to it because right now I'm, my family's mm-hmm. moving back here and they're bringing back up. Yes. my bookshelf so I can finally reunited yes. fill them up as much as possible fill it up as much as possible because I just think there's something about it to be surrounded by words is just yes mm-hmm. it's divine. its own type of kind of um sanctuary haven. yeah sanctuary I yes I agree. safe haven absolutely so I want to ask you too about what does being a black writer mean to you and to your art form? This is probably the question that I sat with the most. It's interesting mm-hmm. because I don't look at myself as a black writer. I look at myself as a writer mm-hmm. because who I am as far as racial category is it's who I am. 
And my mom always says that, she says this thing, as long as I was surrounded by people who were like me, I never had to define myself. It wasn't until she was in environments where there was nobody who mirrored her that she began having to mm-hmm. define herself and identify herself because she was not reflected in those spaces. Yeah. So mm-hmm. because I am surrounded um, by works of other women and I have those reflections, I don't necessarily think on that as like a as a as a thing that I need to yeah. That I need to prove. So, but Mm -hmm. I do think that because I am a black writer and an African American writer, um, I do have a responsibility. And you said something Mm -hmm. earlier about finding all her words and 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 the ease that you felt reading those words. And the power in documenting our journeys and our words. And I think that is of note because we, for so long, were not allowed to document our stories. Yeah. And so it is a reclamation, it is a mm-hmm. fight for freedom, you know, and a, like a, a rerouting yeah. ourselves in that freedom every time we do decide. To document our our word, our words, our work, our journey, our lives, our lineage, our histories, our ancestry, and so in that way, yeah. and because I was given this gift from the spirits and the ancestors, I do feel that I, because of my heritage and my lineage, I do have a responsibility in my words. Um. Yeah. So I don't know if 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 kind of that gets to the to the root of the question um but i almost i almost hope that it is evident who i am yeah. in my words not just only race wise yeah. right because race is um yeah. that's just a, that's a that's a category that we have no autonomy over but my lineage is yeah. evident. My roots are evident. The fact that I am Judy's daughter and Idu's daughter is evident in in my work. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think like it's it's so interesting because I've thought about this for a while as well and I totally I think it is. I feel as though we have a mm-hmm. duty or I have a duty, right? And speaking to what it is mm-hmm. to really archive our experiences or to take inventory yeah. of our evolution in whatever um, capacity that we feel mm-hmm. is a channel um, yeah. or a connector. But I think like, it's really interesting that I, I'm more so like, mm-hmm. I don't write for, no. <laughs> you know, like it's point blank yes. period. I don't, that's not why I write. And so I think that there's that element of it that is very important to always um, Mm -hmm. acknowledge and uplift. But I feel no sort of responsibility or duty in any way to share my story or to give them any insight into my experience on this this planet. Um, But I think that 
in terms of like the responsibility or the duty that I feel is that 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 responsibility and duty is to Sula, to Sethe, to Sonia, to Lord, to Hooks. It's it's to the village, right? It's not to anything beyond that. And I think it's to Mm -hmm. it's to be in communion is really to be communal, to write communally, to archive communally, to uplift and to hold space and to pass yeah. our stories down um, with our own autonomy yes. and agency over them. And so it's as much to those characters that I grew up reading about um, that were written by the incredible yeah. mountain-moving women um, that had the courage to, to remain true to the art form and to remain true, right, unapologetically to yeah. the art form and to themselves as mm-hmm. Black women existing. But I think that that's kind of the mm-hmm. beauty about it to me is it's as much my responsibility to those characters that exist as it is to those who have created them and those who have had the the courage right. or to reimagine, right, to have the courage to to really plant and And move themselves in word and in the characters and that have not been written have not yet written Mm -hmm. and not just women men and women because i do you know often think we do forget about you know our men and and just as they Mm -hmm. are a part of this communion communion cannot be complete with Mm -hmm. you know without uh both the yin and the yang so yes, I wholeheartedly, yeah. wholeheartedly agree. Yeah, and I think you know, um, onto the the other question that I want to talk about, which I think is a really perfect segue, is um, languages alone is meditation. Mm-hmm. Is a quote from Toni Morrison that I always think about about um, not just writing as a craft and not just mm-hmm. words, but language and the crucial nature and the importance and the weight. Um, that I think we often mm-hmm. neglect in giving language because how we say things and the way that we yes. word them is really important. Um, and it is like she, like Morrison says, is almost a meditation. It's a practice. It re- it requires an immense yes. amount of meaningfulness yes. and thoughtfulness, and that comes with meditation with stillness. And so I'm wondering is how have you crafted and created your own language through your writing and what is its importance to you in your life? So I'll, I'll approach that question backwards, forwards. Writing helps me to Mm -hmm. understand myself and the way in which I receive and interact with and digest the world and the people around me. Writing is my communication style because mm-hmm. I'm much more comfortable writing and speaking. Yeah. Writing, it is a meditation. It is slow. It is deliberate. It is purposeful. And it allows me to connect and with all of my kind of like senses in a way that sometimes when I'm speaking Mm -hmm. and speaking in the moment that I can't, I can't grasp all those things and and communicate them as well as I can writing. Now writing is helping me get more comfortable 
in speaking like I write, speaking at mm-hmm. the depth and um, at the level of poignancy that I'm able to to write at. But writing is much more fluid and easy. Um, and then let me see what was the first part of that question. Say the question one more time so I can address the first part. <laughs> Um, have you created or crafted right. your own language through your writing? So I think what I've crafted yeah. is a feeling space. I always have a hard, a hard time with mm. the the kind of like what and who. Like, what are you? Who are you? Yeah. What is this? What is that? Mm-hmm. Because I more so think in feeling. And so what I try yeah. to do, I think almost effortlessly, I think it's the words tell me that I have to do this is to always ask myself and ask the words, is this how you want to feel? Or does this get you closer to the feeling that you are in search of or calling for? Um, Or does this add balm or solve feeling that you are trying to heal or the wound that you are trying to heal? Or is this the feeling that you are trying to invoke in your reader? So I think the language that I'm constantly trying to create is less of a language and more of, of a feeling. Yeah. Of a feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Let me just say, like, I think I often Mm -hmm. think in the opposite kind of way. Um, Because I think for me, or maybe it isn't, but I I think for me, I often feel as though I'm feeling too much. Mm -hmm. So it's, yeah, so it's so difficult to feel my feeling and then have to try and communicate Mm -hmm. a feeling into words. I've always struggled with that. And oftentimes when I do... People will read my work and they'll be like, I don't understand what you're talking about, (laughs) you know, or like, and I, I find, I found that that's kind of the beauty for me has been in, in that in poetry is I, I used to love to cultivate poems that Mm, I knew. It it was a conversation between you and the poem. Right. It was a conversation between me and the poem and it wasn't necessarily for the reader to understand. Or to walk away thoroughly being yeah. like, I get exactly what she was talking about in that poem or or the feelings that she was trying to evoke. Part of me is what I used to want the reader to Right, and I get confusion. that because a lot of times, um, and I've tried to write this out, a lot of times words will come to me and I don't understand them. Not on a yeah. linguistic level, Right. Like, I understand that there is truth in them. I understand the truth, but I can't tell you what that is. My brain hasn't deciphered it. It's like my heart's language. My heart, it gets it. My brain hasn't deciphered it. But I love that about work, too. And people sometimes will ask me, because I, I stopped posting a piece and doing an explanation all the time, because sometimes I feel like it, it does, I don't need to explain it. But sometimes people will, will say, well, mm-hmm. but what does it mean? And I'll ask them, what does it mean to you? Right. Because that's, right. at the end of the day, that's what's important. What does it mean? Yeah. Yeah. 
is how do you interpret it for yourself? And that's exactly mm-hmm. what I feel when I look at Frida's work every single time. I'm like, what is going on here? It can be interpreted and understood and uh, digested yeah. in a myriad of different ways. And you're not sure which one is true and which one isn't, or if she wanted you to, she was trying to lead mm-hmm. you in a completely different different direction. And And like, that's what I love about her work is it's so it makes me yeah. feel like the messiness of yes. being human is acceptable um, is so yeah. utterly acceptable. And I think that's so extremely rare. Most often when you look at art or you read work or whatever across most genres of art, I feel as though oftentimes it's like, this is exactly how I'm trying to make you feel. This is obviously what this is about. And there's no room for interpretation and or that feeling messiness, or misunderstood. I'm finding is so important. It's almost as if yeah. the messiness is more important than the creation. Like the messiness is what gets you yeah. there. Yeah. This is how you figure it out. Exactly. The messiness is how you go beyond yourself yeah. or deeper into yourself. Like it's that mess um, mm-hmm. that is essentially the journey. And I've had to allow myself to move more in my mess and also look at the mess as a valuable aspect of being. Because I think, again, we are socialized to think and taught in in certain terms that everything must be neat and prim proper and, and, you know, no loose ends and bow, bow, bow tied and, and gift wrapped and, and then that's it. But that's not yep. reality. No. Yeah. I think very few things in life are actually that. And you're right. I think that the messiness and sort of the multidimensionality mm-hmm. or the complexity or the duality or whatever it is, mm-hmm. is necessary element to depth, to true to true depth, both internally and externally. Like it, when you are creating it and then when it is being viewed externally, I think that they have to be there a parallel has to be drawn there and in sort of that capacity or like in works or in Mm -hmm. writings or in films or across all genres of art not even just specific to to writing I have felt that the messier something is the more authentic and true like you were saying and um to the human just not even just to the person who made it but to the spirit specifically right because you've been through that mess you've been down every rabbit hole and crack and crevice when someone does express, you know, what they see and it may not align at where you've ended at, right? You can though say, but I get it. I feel you. I can see that. That that wasn't my end. Right. Right. But I definitely saw that in the process. Yeah. Um and I think that that helps with the level of depth and understanding, like you said, but also with the openness of words yeah and of, yep. of their meaning yeah and being kind of like okay with yeah. the trans the, the mini translations yeah exactly yep yeah because I think there's something so beautiful that I've noticed is like really sitting with words and like we said before, meditating on them and with them and mm-hmm. living with them for a while and getting to know them as like they are yeah. 
their own, yes. you know, entities and beings. Yes. That's a huge And they breathe part. life. That's a huge part of it. And yeah. the, right. And the, yeah, they breathe their own life. And so I think that it's really interesting to play around with sentence structure. And that's one of the reasons, or just even to connecting um, words to music and the mm-hmm. way that they flow and the rhythm that they carry um, and kind of what it is to mess around with them and to put them in different places and put, to switch which ones are next to each other and just, yeah, messing around with words. And I yeah. think it's like a huge puzzle because yeah. there are endless ways that you can create a sentence or to create yes. or try to uh, elude a feeling. And so I think that that's one of the most beautiful things about words yes. is that it's so vast. It's so vast. There's yes. so many words yes. that languages. I don't even know. Because, you know, you know and, we're, we're talking about and, English. Right. And my mom always, my mom always talks about mm-hmm. this is that, you know, English sometimes for her feels very suffocating because it's the only way language that she, yeah. that she knows. She knows that there's a, other language that that can mm-hmm. better say what she says and she recently within the past year or so found out that in one indigenous tribe or or you know maybe it's a couple but i think she was reading about one in particular they have no past tense in their language and my mom, something yeah. that has always yeah. struck me about her is she always speaks in the present tense, even about people who have passed. And if mm-hmm. you are looking at that as a signifier or, you know, to signal if somebody is alive or, or dead, it, it can get confusing. Also, the thing about my mother is that she speaks yeah. mostly in realm of spirit. And in that realm, there is no dead or alive. Spirit is always. So language, again, is just language just, I wrote recently that my love language is in fact language itself. (laughs) Mm. And yeah, Mm -hmm. the love affair is Mm -hmm. constant and always. Is constant. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I love language is language itself. So what possesses you or calls you to write um, and, and calls you to tell stories? Uh, so I think the main thing that calls me to write all the time is a desire for understanding. Um, mm. Because to be understood is, is, is a healing and if anything, I'm always yeah. trying to understand myself more because I believe the more I understand myself and the depth at which I am under, able to understand myself is also the depth at which I am able to understand others. Um, also yeah. Yeah. is an opportunity to speak my heart's language. Another thing that I've kind of gotten into in my writing is, you know, the head and the heart, the spirit and the ego. And you can tell, I can tell, at least in my writing, where I was in a headspace and also how easily the words flow. 
I'm in a headspace or if I'm in a heart space. Yeah. And I know that if I'm in a headspace, yeah. the words might be good. You know, the depth is 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 it is yeah. okay just because yeah. by nature I'm a deep person. But if I'm in my heart space, mm-hmm. you feel that. I feel that. A reader feels that. Yeah. And so I think that also is yeah. my desire too, is to, to to take myself down that rabbit hole and really connect with my, my heart's mind. Um, and so those are, those are the, those are probably the two understanding and just a desire to speak more from my heart and my head. To speak. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting that you talk about that because my grandmother, you know, she, um, after she passed, there were like at least over 40 or 45 journals. Um, Mm. yeah. Um, in her basement after she passed away and my family always knew that they were there and she had been writing for Mm -hmm. the last 20 years of her life every single day, um, without a doubt. And so there were just a, a bookshelf after bookshelf, after bookshelf of all of her journals. And she wrote so mm. much about what it is to release ego. And she spent, I mean, it was probably in her daily writings for the last 10 years of her life, 15 years, what it is to really release ego. And to me, you know, Ooh. I think a lot about Talk the about act it. of surrendering. <laughs> and, right, and I, and I think that I've, I used to feel as though, because mm. my, my writing practice has totally shifted, And I started writing poetry from a very, very, very young age. Like in the fifth grade, I remember my mama, she always tells me this story. And she um, came in for like a parent-teacher conference or whatever. And one of my, Mm -hmm. um, my teacher at the time showed her a poem that I wrote. And she was like, Dory wrote this. And my mom read it. She was like, what is this about? My teacher was like, I don't Mm -hmm. know. But it was so good. It was felt, it moved, it evoked some sort of feeling, this mis- this feeling of I'm confused. Yeah. I don't really understand, but there's something here. And I always think back about, back on that. And I think that that's my, my practice mm-hmm. has obviously evolved and grown and changed since the fifth grade. But I just think that that was a moment where mm-hmm. it's like, I yeah. have something to say. And I always, when I feel moved, I have different phases and moments in my life where yeah. that feeling is overpowering of like I have and and another thing that this reminds me of too is you know another reason why I write is so that it allows write and share it allows permission for someone else yeah I think our craft writing art music um any creative point any creative practice opens the door for someone else, not to just walk into it, but walk out of it, their own voice and their own Mm -hmm. understanding, and then know that they too have the power or the ability or can grant themselves the permission to share their voice too. And again, linking this back to our lineage and our yeah. and our, our our heritage and our history, which by no means began with slavery, but was definitely impacted greatly by slavery. That is something that was so taken away from us. Yeah. Is 
this innate permission and the innateness of it, we've never lost. But the burden of being granted outside permission is something that was gained through, you know, colonization and and slavery. And so I think part of writing and just practicing our crafts too is that it is a release of all that came to kind of shackle us against moving how we naturally move. Yeah. And I kind of bowed my head when you said surrender because I've had my own journey with that too. Mm -hmm. I used to think that surrender was like giving my power over to someone else or something else. When now I understand that I'm giving my power to myself, but not ego self, spirit self. And that's why you have to surrender is because you have to take it from the ego and allow it to go to spirit, which is a whole journey in itself. And I I totally get why your grandmother constantly wrote about it. That's probably the thing that I think about Mm -hmm. most is, is it, where is this coming from? Yeah. Then how do I silence the ego? Right. How do I root in my worth? Yeah. Right. Exactly. Without. Yeah. Rooting in, without going too deep in to ego. Yeah. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. I think, oh my gosh, so many things are coming up for me because I think, I just think back on my whole entire sort of practice or crafting um, or relate love affair with words and with writing. And I just think it's so interesting to exactly what you're speaking of, of like, maybe back in my, in my college days, my freshman year of college, I took Mm -hmm. a creative writing course, my first ever creative writing course. And I was really, um, I wasn't sure if I wanted to take it. And I remember after taking it, I felt so wide open. Yeah. I felt so busted open. I felt like, like, you know, uh, an egg that had just been dropped from like a three-story building onto concrete. Right. Like an open wound, but just not even just wounded, but just busted open creatively of like, wow, maybe I was, I was really being limited in my, um, in my allowance of self to expand into different genres, into different ways of trying to write, Mm -hmm. um, of sitting down and sitting with this practice. And I think that the more that I write and the more that I expand into different forms and to really challenge myself to push my my capacities and my limits to newfound entities and and dimensions yes. is like really writing to me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is is being a witness and I think that I used to really limit yes. myself and only see myself in a certain capacity and I think that writing has really allowed me to explore myself in in ways that I didn't even know existed. And, and that's really the beauty of writing. And I think that writing is like, and it is this thing where it's kind of like you're chasing a feeling and you're, you're revealing so much to yourself about yourself that you didn't even know was there. 
and co- probably could yeah. not have been the uncovered med- if it wasn't for the practice. And right, exactly. And and the commitment to to that practice. And I think that it's so interesting because for me, it is that being a witness. It is seeing yourself. It is seeing yourself fully and holistically. And I think like Sonia Sanchez was mm-hmm. my first introduction to that, that like being a mirror, you know? And I think yes, the first time I read that. her, my soul combusted. Yeah. yeah. She, it just ruptured and it felt like I was coming home again, but coming yeah. back to something that I had never known before. And mm-hmm. ev- that happens to me every single time I read her work. I feel it over mm-hmm. and over again. And she has saved my life more than once. And I think that, that is the other thing. Ooh, writing has saved tell my that. life. Tell that. Yeah. Writing has saved my life. And I think even writing yeah. about the moments yes. where I felt like I couldn't all, and, be saved. And that's saved what all the words is for me. All so the words was my lighthouse, my lifeboat, my life jacket, my, my strength, my peace, my rescue. That's the culmination of that vision and that idea was saved me at that particular point that I was in, in my life. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just like it's immensely powerful. Um and I think that it I often don't think about how much it's completely allowed me to expand yes. and, and and become something else entirely. You know, and I think trying to it's been it's been a beautiful process because I started a collection, my first kind of official collection. I wrote a small collection mm-hmm. to add to my college application cuz I thought it would be unique. But then <laughs> my like first kind of official collection of my own real raw pure um writing I started mm. at the end of my high school experience and I entitled it Tolula and it was for sort of um if I ever mm-hmm. had a daughter I would name her Tolula you know it was the intro and it was mm. me sort of writing my own daughter right so the collection itself was also my child that I would eventually bear to the world. And it was this process, my first real kind of immersive and intense process, not only of what it is to kind of create a manuscript, (laughs) but what it is to, yeah, yeah, which is intense all like as its own category, but then like the spiritual sort of um, sometimes even turmoil that comes with writing in a collection and a collection that at that time I was like, 17 or 18 years old and was really, really, really mm. sitting and living with mm-hmm. the idea of motherhood from the first time in my life. And I threw everything into this collection. And I realized mm. even more so that I have been my own mother mm. and that I have been my own daughter. And to have lost my mother yeah. and then to have be, to be her daughter, right? And so it was, I was really sitting with and meditating and writing yeah. through this sort of grief, but also just, just, um, complete, like 180 kind of self-awareness of really like entering into yeah. quote unquote, like at 18, entering into like adulthood and really like sitting with what this has felt like. And looking back on my childhood, I've been like, mm, I've had to mother myself. Yeah. And at the same time, I've had to be my own daughter, right? 
and what that felt like and then all the loss of it but also all the excitement of what it would be like to have my own child have my own daughter um and through that like I've had so many moments in my life where just even like phrases of words will pop into my head or so many moments in my writing practice that in poems that have not even ever probably will never kind of reach the surface of behind outside of my own eyes right because some things you write just for you um but I think that I've had so many moments of like just complete yeah that's like epiphanies epiphanies yeah that stop you in your tracks and like they're anomalies yeah like it's just in remarkable and like oh this is what I'm doing do you know what I mean like when you just don't understand and there's so much chaos and there's so much noise and you write a sentence there you are and and you're like oh there I, I am I have written about and kind of talked about again the culmination of all her words and that and I remember the night that I wrote the first words for her, I didn't know it was for all her words yet. I, my recollection is that I was having a text conversation with a friend, but I've went back in text message. I found this app that allows you to like download your whole tech, your um, whole text chain and put it on your computer because I really wanted to find this conversation. Like I wanted to know the date. I wanted to know the time of when this conversation transpired. And when I asked her to to help me, when I was basically begging her to, to help me come out of this space. And she said to me, you need to use your voice. And to this day, I can't find that in any of the text mm-hmm. conversations. And so I've amounted to the fact that Right. Or the reality that it was really spirit that spoke. But that was a pivotal moment for me because yeah. I felt yeah. that I did not have a voice to use or I'd lost that voice. And I found it in a very different way than I'd mm. used it before or known it before. But that moment and that pushing, right. because the next thing spirit said was like, write, go get your computer and write which is very different because mm-hmm. usually I write pen to pad. But following that voice, right, following right. what it told me, that's how I got here. But so, so grand. simple, like, you know, grand and simple at the, at the same, yeah. you know, at the same time. And I, and I, and I know, yeah, exactly what you mean about those. Yeah those epiphanies, those markers, those tent poles, those almost forks in the road, that moment that takes you left instead of right or right instead of left or through the fork and blaze your own path. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like so many things like there are moments where it's like whoa these words are machetes and they are cutting everything down and I think like I've written a lot about what it is like the scorching you know because I think a lot about really what it is to Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. turn everything to ash 
you know, and to start and rebuild and rewrite and redefine from nothing. And I think that almost, I feel Mm. that way every time I sit in front of a blank page of like, this is the scorching and not in the traditional way, but in the way of like, yeah. And I mean, if you go, and this is why I find that our lineage and our culture is so important, because if you look um, at the teachings and understandings of many indigenous cultures, uh, where they actually practice, you know, burning of the land um, to, to prepare for harvest and for planting, right. they're not burning to destroy. They're burning to regenerate. Right. And so just... Right. Amen and Ashe. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. And it is that, it is this idea of what we were even speaking to before mm-hmm. we really started to get into this uh, this call of like the shedding of even mm-hmm. like every seven years, our skin completely sheds off yeah. and we have a new layer uh, that reaches the surface. And, you know, we wounds and wounds, you know, new wounds are given the opportunity to hurt or or even like in every seven years you can be introduced to new allergies that you have never had before you know things like that and I think of that when I think of writing of of what it is to really sit um authentically and firmly and And open yourself to that page and to really let yourself go in it you know yeah Yeah. right to the possibility it's the risk I think writing is a risk It is the risk we take. It is a risk. And I think it is a huge one. And I've, I have found that I have written myself out of a lot of fear, even though it is a risk, right? So I sit down afraid and I write myself out of that fear. And I think you that go. is, you know, yeah, you know that's the blood, the bone, and the marrow. Trilogy right? of words. Or, from, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> you leave it all. You have to leave it all. And I think yes. that it's almost like, you know, it's that open heart surgery. It is that feeling of complete mm-hmm. and utter exposure to really expose yeah. yourself, to leave it all on that the page. We even talk oh, about what it means to God. share, then that, share that, you know, that's a, to share it. Right. That, that's something that I'm, I'm constantly talking myself through every, every day, um, as I get ready to release, you know, this collection. Um, it's, it's, it's so Mm. sacred. It's a practice, this gift, this art. Yeah. Um, it's so sacred. It's so, so sacred. And I think you're so right to, Mm-hmm. Then it give it to the world, you know, to give birth to it. Um, and I think that I've struggled a lot with that. And as my, as I develop as a writer um, and experience more and even write more, I realize um, that mm-hmm. doesn't feel as much, mm-hmm. as much as of a burden as it used to, I think. Um, because I think I've also, I went through long phases with never writing because I felt like an imposter. I felt like I had nothing to say. I didn't ever know yeah. if I would honestly find myself back or, or find my way back to it. And it's so interesting mm-hmm. because I think after this last collection that I released recently, um, which was very different yes. for me. Um, Mark, it was very oh, different. But, I, I mean, I'm a page and, poet. 
you, by nature. you got to talk about, you know, this collection, but it was so, because there's, there's something different when you write something, you release it and you are putting it in the hands of another voice to read in their voice. Right. And then actually speaking right. it and giving right. it to someone in your voice with your, those are mm-hmm. two very different experiences. Right. And now you've done them both equally, yeah. you know, moving, yeah. but definitely two different experiences. Completely different. And I think it's really interesting because after I released Scar Tissue, I remember someone, a couple of people asking me like, would you ever be willing to perform this somewhere for us or something like that? And um, talking mm-hmm. about, well, if you don't want to perform, like, would you be open to someone else reading it for you? And both of them, I was just like, why does yeah. this question feel so insulting to me? Mm-hmm. And I had to sit with that for a it's while. Almost, it's almost you know, like, as if, like, is this not it, enough like, for you? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right, right. I was like, how mm-hmm. dare you? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I felt that way for a while. And I think that because we have, I have, such, yeah. or I think a lot of us have such a protection over, like, this is our language and this is, um, this is our life. This is, this is the, and we, the blood, and the bone, we and the have marrow. a history of, me of to, to do it know, being told that what we have done is not enough or trampling right. over what we have done in, in want and in search for what someone right. else wants from us. And, and I think that's also a thing right. about, right creating and being creative is that putting it out into the world then somehow translates for other people that then they have right this but it's it's Mm. almost like just because someone welcomes you in their kitchen for a meal does not mean that they're telling you here come dig in my fridge and there is, you know, a right. There is a level right. of respect, right? That I feel that it that I think I've as I've gotten deeper into yeah. my practice and my craft, that I've developed or or developed um, more sensitivity to this this respect. And even with all her words, because I want to, and the point of creating it, not only to to kind of share the words that come to me from being in union and communion with the collective, but also the desire to share the words of other women raw and, you know, and tender and from their own journeys. Yeah. Uh, I, just because they've shared them on the internet doesn't mean that I have immediate right to share them as well. Yeah. So, you know, I go to women and, exactly. and, if I'm reposting it, you know, on, on the feed and I'm, you know, kind of retyping their words and in, into the format and whatnot uh, versus, you know, just like reposting their original post to, you know, stories, I ask and then I share with them a little bit about me and a little bit about why. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's just a level of, it's a, it's a respect, yeah. it's an honoring, yeah. it's an homage. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. And commemoration. And I think, yeah, mm-hmm. that's, that's something that I think has to be um, treated very delicately. 
you know, because that is, yeah. that's not just, it's beyond just words on a page, you know? And I think we don't give yeah. that enough credit of what's really, what it took for them to land there, what it took for them to sit yes. there and to sometimes yeah. devour themselves yeah. or to, to get enough courage to even put the words yeah. on the paper. Like it's so much more than what you're just seeing. And I think mm -hmm. that it's, it is, it's, it's a ritual, you know? And so we can't, I think we have to be very cautious yes. about the ways in which we sometimes erase the, the power of the ritual um, that allowed those words to be in the exact way that they're there. And so, yeah, I think it, it was very troublesome for me at first to kind of like sit with that, um, that question of like, will you, mm -hmm. would you perform this or would you allow someone else to read your words or read this poem out loud? And I think, um, for that collection and like specifically for me, it took me a really long time to even have the courage to create it, you know, um, let alone to put my voice out there in that way to really read my words. That mm -hmm. was only my second time and third time ever like doing a quote unquote yes. reading. I, you know? I, so I, I, it took a lot. And I totally understand you because I'm still to, to birth that all the way, all the way there. That that's, that's still something I, um, I shy away mm. from and people do ask me often. And I've done a couple of posts on all her words read where I do uh read, but it still yeah. feels very uncomfortable yeah. and foreign for me. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Me too. Every time I've ever done it. So I think like yeah, it's just very interesting and, and that that um just the idea too about mm -hmm what it is to really listen to yourself, read your own work, like for just for yourself, you know, and to do an audio album or to do sort of like, yeah, mm -hmm. an audio poetry Same, album has yes. always been a dream of mine to do a visual poetry album has always been. Yeah. A huge dream yes. of mine too. And I think that I wasn't expecting how much it was going to take from me. Um, because I think that there's like the process of it is you write those poems first. So there's that whole process and then you craft them and you pick and choose which ones you will eventually end up in the final sort of album. And for me, it was this long sort of process of, of sitting with my own heartbreak, first of all, then putting that heartbreak into word and then mm -hmm. actually speaking it out loud over and over and over again. You know, like that was it became a mantra in so many ways for me. And in that, those like three or four weeks where I was just completely <laughs> yes. recording every single poem, at least probably 25 to 50 times <laughs> and hearing myself say it over and over and over mm -hmm. again. And it was beautiful in the fact of like working mm -hmm. with spoken word because I've always loved it as a craft and have never felt at home in it. But this was my, this was a really beautiful opportunity to like be alone with my own Yes. words and speak, and to speak them in a way that and in a rhythm that true. is um, fluid for you like I, I've talked to our mutual friend Chloe mm -hmm. who has the life I swear podcast and yeah you know we talk a lot about storytelling and that like every art form you know that 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 we we create into an art form and yeah. we deem as this is a way to do it Sometimes even just calling it storytelling yeah. can feel stifling because then all you know, all of a sudden in your mind you translate and say, Okay, this is how 
storytelling has to go. It has to go at the beginning. It has to have a middle. It has to have an end. There has to be an arc. Yeah. There ha- you know, it, it's like, it's, it's, it's yeah. all these things. Although we know that as creatives, we can do it any way we want. But there's still this thing that says, no, but this is the right way to do it. This is the way that it's been done. Mm-hmm. And I also with spoken word and reading works, you know, yeah. one of the, the the things about spoken word is is the way in which spoken word and poetry in the spoken word space is often read, you know, that, that rhythm that it, that it has. Um, right which may or may not be natural yep. to to someone else. So I think again another thing about writing and then reading your you know your words is that permission again of but I can do with them what I want to do. I can have my own rhythm. Yeah. You know, I can yeah. have my own way. Like I can give myself yep. that permission. And again, like the the, the yeah. sacredness yeah. of it. I think, yep. Yeah, exactly. And the, to, like to be able to really pull back the curtain, you know, with yourself, I think in that capacity and like about this last collection, mm. I think for me, it was my most isolating collection, my most lonely collection, the collection mm-hmm. that I worked completely by myself from start to finish. And I can say that when Mm. I went in, it was almost, I was only almost unrecognizable to the person that I became on the way out. You know, if that makes sense. Like when I went in to start, when I first started writing, when I really like pushed myself forward into this process, I am not anything almost Mm. unrecognizable to me now. Like the healing process through that collection specifically was like life altering and I I like in hindsight I've been reflecting on just on that writing process and on the things that I was feeling mm-hmm. through it because it's probably around the sixth to eighth month process from start to finish and it started after I had um wow. uh, split up for my five long five year long-term partner right and so I think that the way that I healed through heartbreak in that collection, mm-hmm. writing that collection, experiencing it in process and craft was one of the most healing things I've ever felt. Yeah. And I didn't even think it would be possible to, to end up that healed from something so traumatic. And that's the that thing that I think our art teaches us is that creating we can. a collection about it. You know, I remember when, when I first spoke to you about, you know, mommy calls me Gabriella and mm-hmm. writing a contribution to all her words and, you know, there while there was openness, there was some hesitation because one, yeah. you know, to to write something else about that period meant that you kind of had to go back there and reopen those chapters, but also that you felt that right. you went yeah. somewhere, that you would never be able to go again in the way that you went the first time. And the way, and the way that you went was so very yeah. sacred to you. And, that's, and yeah. I cannot tell okay. you that that day or the days before, you know, reaching out to you, how I had conversations with myself about reaching out to you and asking you to do, did I even have a right to, to do that? Mm-hmm. But also understanding that, but this is, 
this is what all her words is calling me to do. And it's calling me to you, you know, but, and then reading what you wrote and it being just, I I don't, I still, I I don't even have the words say what it was, but it was that plus even so much more. And, um, I'm just constantly yeah. like baffled and just in awe of the ways that we can and do almost yeah. without direction or teaching heal ourselves when we trust that we can and that we will. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think part of that has been for me in learning that, that very sacred truth is like, Writing is not only where yes. I go when, or can't be the only place I go Ooh. when I'm in pain. It has yes. to be there. I have to meet myself. I have to meet myself in joy too. And I think that that is such a powerful thing. Is like this is when you allow mm-hmm. it this this beautiful sacred thing to fill you up, to fill you up fully in every single moment, in moments of grief and in moments of glory, and I think that that's where, that's how I know. I'm like, this is where I'll be at when I'm gone. You know, like this is the Mm -hmm. teeth. This is the feral animal in me. This is Mm -hmm. the wound. This is Mm -hmm. the the glory. This is the survivor. You know, this is everything. This is not just a practice that I turn to when I'm suffering, Mm -hmm. when I am uh, struggling or attempting to mourn. This can't be just that. And I think that I always used to say that of like, yeah, I use writing to sort of, mm-hmm. um, you know, cr- crawl across glass or like crawl through the grief. Like that is what I use to write. But I think that in the last like three or four years, it's really become like this. I have, it's everything, you know? And I think that, right, when we allow it to fill us up, in every kind of possible way, it becomes so much more powerful as a tool because writing is for me, it is a tool outside of just being a craft, you know, it's a tool that I have learned to utilize through it all to, like you said, to release the ego, to fall more delicately and gracefully into myself and to learn how Mm -hmm. to write myself into the woman mm-hmm. that I want to become, to reimagine and to redefine and to rejuvenate and to refresh and to create my own home sequence. And I think that that yeah. is such a powerful yeah, we, thing we, of like, we it cannot, cannot be compartmentalized. It. Like, we have, yeah, like we have been policed and imprisoned. Yeah. Also, right. Or police We also either. have to grant ourselves, yeah. you know, that freedom. Right. Yeah, and I think like Sonia Sanchez, she has this line about mm-hmm. um, resist recolonizing your mind, 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 mm-hmm. mind. And I think that, I mean, that's song to me. Um, but at the same time, I think that that is what writing is as well, is it yeah. is a process of uncolonizing, of decolonizing. If it can be, 
it can be a very sacred well, I mean, process to write yourself one of back the most to your origin, to write yourself back to the source. And we can bring us right? back to ourselves and we can heal ourselves. I mean, mm-hmm. every create, I feel like every creative yeah. writer, singer, painter, um, just everyone has put that in some semblance in their creation about bringing yourself back yeah. to you. Yeah. Yeah. I read this, this, um, this line I'm really blanking on. It was in a poem that someone shared with me not long ago. Um, and I think it might've, it's some pretty famous writer, but the line, if the, if I remember the name, I'll let you know, but the line itself was, um, Mm -hmm. I have to let the feral animal in me love what it loves. Yeah. (laughs) And I come back to that line quite often. And I think about that a lot when there's so many, so many lines. I think that's the beautiful thing about being a writer to be in love with words. Yes. Yes. I'll yes, hear yes, something yes. and I'm like, that's a poem. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yes. That feeling, that feeling where you hear like a, just a sequence of a phrase or you hear like yes. um, half of a sentence like, or something to, yeah. and you're like, I have to, I have oh to, my God. I have to let that breathe. I have that's to let a, that live. That's a fucking I have poem. to give that more life. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Mm. Right. Yeah. And I think I have those moments where just certain lines will, yes. I'll hear them for the first time. And it's like falling in love for the first time. And then you have that feeling of like, that, oh my God, there's yeah. something there. That's a poem that breathes life further into that. Yes. And then like, I think that those lines yes. stick with you. And they almost become a soundtrack to your life because they're like in random moments, they'll fall back into your mm-hmm. mind or they're, or you'll, I'll close my eyes sometimes and I'll see them write mm-hmm. written out or whatever. And I'm like, that is spirit. Yes. Of course. Everything is, but it's this beauty, beauty of like, so everything is a poem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so many things. And I think that that is the writer in me. You know, that's the wordsmith, that's the griot, that's the storyteller. Um, that's the, um, that's, that's, Agreed. that's that in me every single time I feel it like pulsing at the surface and it, Ooh. right. And it's just waiting to like leak through all the cracks, like yes. sweet honey. And I think that that is the beauty of being a writer yes. and or to be a wordsmith to be, or to be in, in love, love with that, language. That, that, that. That's the beauty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> Yes. So my last question. For um, really so what are you of the reading? books, what have you been reading lately? You know what? Actually, I'm going to be 100% honest. I've been reading myself because working on this collection, I've mm. had to revisit all of my, well, not only the, the works that are going in this collection, but even works that were from old versions of myself because one thing that that's hard about working on something that contains pieces that are kind of that have already been released or already that I've already let go 
that I, in the, in the editing process, I have to right. keep myself from editing out that voice from that version. Like I have to keep myself from erasing her. And so yeah. that means that I have to take myself back to that her, which for yeah. a lot of this, the hardest pieces, and I, I just wrote something about this recently, you know, the hardest pieces to write are the ones that haven't been written yet. Um, the hardest part is those pieces mm-hmm. that kind of broke me at that, you know, at that time. And so I was, I wrote them writing myself out yeah. of that breaking. And so I kind of have to go back to that breaking. Um, and so, yes, I've been reading a lot of myself and then also a lot of, um, Naira Wahid to be, to be quite honest. Um, and talking about Mm -hmm. words that constantly play in your mind, the words that always play in my mind are from Toni Morrison and she says them in the documentary, um, pieces I am, she says, The only way I can know and own what I know is to write them so we both know. Yeah. And, um, yes, yes. I remember that line. It's, it's equally powerful, kind of immersing myself in the words of others just as it is immersing myself in my words, especially if they are, again, from old versions and skeletons even, and versions that I've shed or versions that I never even really allowed to to live for whatever reason. Yeah. So. Yeah. Right. And how, yeah, I'm wondering too, Mm. like, I think this is a perfect opportunity to talk about the idea of sort of inheritance and legacy in regards to Mm -hmm. writing and, Mm -hmm. and what we leave behind or what we, yeah, what is left when we're no longer here. And I think about that a lot too, of, of what it is to, to archive the existence. Cause even in you speaking about when you found um, your mother's collection, and it almost gave you a window, a gap, um, mm-hmm. a third eye into her life before she was your mother and the woman that she was and the things that she felt. And um, and I think that that's so, it's such a beautiful concept to me because I think about that a lot of what, what am I what really is, leaving behind? Yeah. Like not what, even just about like know. making your mark, quote unquote, but like what am I, what is right, right. Right. And I think about my future children, my unborn children and that too, of Mm. like, what am I leaving for them? What am I going to show them about the person that I was and the person that that I broke and the way that I loved and the way that I held space and the way that I broke and the the way that I tore myself apart and the way that I rebuilt it and, and redefined myself. And I'm sorry, that, that and is, stood and then I'm getting the tingles ruins, again you know? by and um, I th- listening to you say that, because again, that is a part of the roots of all her words, is that I am less concerned with showing that we made it or showing us on the other side 
And I am concerned with showing us in the rubble Mm -hmm. and how, you know, and how we walk through that terrain. And the scorch. And maybe not always in grace, right? But always in, in, in observance, in effort, in promise, in absolution. In um, what would the word be? Yeah. In just like bold and almost indignant um, mm-hmm. yeah. promise that we would get to the other side, not even knowing yeah. what that other side would look like, but that yeah. being here we're going to you know going to get there or that here is there it looks nothing like we thought it would be yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah yep and i think that's the most beautiful thing that's the celebration um yes yeah to really um carve out a space for that to exist yeah. And I'm really <laughs> appreciative and grateful for you doing that. But I also, I have one more question. I totally mm-hmm. lied. Um, is what is your writing ritual? And have how have you found inspiration to write yeah. throughout this? Um, so my ritual, um, this, I, this is another question I kind of thought about. And the answer that immediately came to me was to listen. Um, and... My ritual also is I write at night, like twilight night. I've always been a night owl and I love the nighttime and the wee wee hours of the morning because that's when it's most silent. So that's when I can hear the spirits or I can hear the heart. Um, And it is usually my ritual to really sit and purposefully listen in you know in that time um and i'm always yeah. open again i'm always open and i'm always listening um but also i've started this recently is that i'll call for the words so and i've started writing for for other projects now as well which is which is very different and and um in reference to how my writing practice has evolved I, prior to this year and last year, I really just write on feeling. So when it comes, it comes, but I never, I would never force it. Like I've never been one to sit down and say, I'm going to write this. And to be honest, Mm -hmm. I never thought that I could because anytime I did, I, I, it just, it never worked out well. Yeah. But in a prayer that I prayed this year, which was, I, open myself to the opportunities that will align me with my gifts, not only this gift, but whatever other gifts want to come in, show themselves to me. I also call to help me with walking into those opportunities, especially ones that I've, I've, I've never done, you know, done before. So I was asked to write a piece recently about you know, mm-hmm. ancestry and just the richness of our, of our lineage. And, um, I sat on it 
for like two weeks and I'd already said I was going to do it to, to my girlfriend. So I was like, all right, I got to go back down now. There's no, there's no reneging. And so I trusted, I, I called the spirits <laughs> and said, okay, right. you know, I got to write this. I, I have no idea. Like usually I'll hang on to one word or something will, will catch me and I'll kind of like roll over whatever that word is or that phrase. Um, and it'll, and it'll, it'll help me pour the words out. But I, I, I had nothing um, except for the words that kind of were given to me as directive, but I didn't really sink into any of them. Well, I did have one. I had Jim, I had seed and I had Jim, like diamond type Jim. That was it for like two weeks. That was it. Mm. But then I got one thing from somewhere. I got three things from you, which I told you about. And I don't, I don't want to give like too much information because I'm really pr- proud of this piece that I wrote. Yes. And in listening and calling and receiving, I was able to put that piece together. So my practice is ritual. Yeah. Like I have to treat the words like ritual. I have to honor them. I have to... Um, almost treat them as, you know, a baby that I am carrying. Yeah. So that's the, that's the practice and the practice, even though sometimes it is a bit trying. Yeah. um, Sometimes it it can be a, a, a bit painful or uncomfortable. It's, it is, it always bears so much fruit. So much fruit. And it feels so good to just be in, ritual. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, you're speaking to what it is to really call upon spirit. And I think that goes in any practice. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed with any practice or with any ritual, and I noticed to be in conversation, mm-hmm. to be in conversation with spirit and to open yourself up to that vessel, I think is everything because I've noticed when I, there are moments when I'm writing and I just lose myself completely in it. And Mm -hmm. I think that that's kind of almost what you're speaking to is like, that's really the goal, you know, and we're human, of course. So we don't always live in that place. We're overthinking or we're questioning or we're judging ourselves. But I think that there are moments when all those things fall to the wayside and we're completely lost in the ritual and in the practice. And that to me is alchemy. That's another word. Yes. And, and, and. I think it serves as a reminder to let go of the production of, you know, I, the words don't always have to lead me to some end result that results in it going in a book or it going on Instagram or whatnot. It's just, as you said, like sometimes it's just for you. And I say that a lot to myself, like, it's just for you. And I had had words similar to that come to me a while ago that are, keep some magic for yourself. Thank you for listening to this month's bonus episode of Who Made You Sis? This podcast is brought to you by the Diaz Collections. Today's episode was entitled Songs for Sula and Spiritual Dialogue with Enyafe Isis Adedayo. 
You can find more of her work on social media at enyafe.isis and at all her words. Please check out our most recent partnership entitled A Room of Our Own, a curated collection of poetry from 30 plus men and women writers. If you'd like to support us in this journey, our cash app is the Diaz Collections and our Venmo is the Diaz Collections LLC. Happy National Poetry Month. And if you're looking for some good reads, try Homegirls and Hand Grenades by Sonia Sanchez, A Good Cry by Nikki Giovanni, and The Collected Poems by Audre Lorde. Sending you all high vibrations. <laughs>